First John chapter two, verses 29, 27 through 29. John says, as you, as for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing, which is the spirit, the power of God, teaches you about all things. And as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, I want you to remain in him, is what he said. And now, dear children, continue in him. Remain, continue, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. I want to be doing what God says now, so when he shows up, he says, "Good, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's what John just said here also. Verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. How do you know if you've been born of him? If you do what he says. If he is righteous and we do what he says, his righteousness is in us. And that's how you know, because it shows. Isn't that good? My title today is Abide in Me. Abide in Me. How many know what abide means? What's that? Holler one more time. I don't know. Sounds good. I like a group effort. Translator, just kidding. How many like to go home when they are done doing their thing? We, we've heard the phrase, there's no place in home. That's my title today. I already said that. Yes, abide in me. Go, PJ. Way to be repetitive. It's 43 years old, speaking loudly. Yes, I said that. You've heard the phrase, there's no place like home. You've heard of Dorothy and um, the Wizard of Oz and how many when you go on a trip, what's the best feeling when you get home? (sighs) I'm home, right? Like you don't realize how valuable home is until you're away from it for a bit. And might I add, we know that home is not a physical thing, but it's a place where your heart lives, right? I used to have this apartment in Nashville and every, every, every year of college when the semester would end, you know, you'd go home if you're out of state to your, your home home and then you'd vacate all 20 things you own because you own nothing because you're broke, you're in college and you'd empty out that apartment, right? And then you'd come back to the apartment like in January and it'd feel like a strange place again. That's because, that's the first time I realized that home is not where, where, where these walls are, it's, it's where my life is. And as soon as I took my life back to the loo, that means St. Louis. Um, any Nelly fans out there? Thank you. As soon as I came back to that place, my home was long, no longer there. It felt, it felt foreign. And so there is value in going home. We hear about people saying, I just want to go home. Or maybe like when you're in school, I just wanted to go home and be with my mommy because I felt safe there. I abode there. I stayed there. My dwelling place. And so it's so Every time we take a trip or even when we go to the lake, which is just for a few days and we drive a couple hours, we get back, it's always, ah, oh, I forgot how much I love this place. My counters are clean. It looks like the kids haven't been here for a week. And then in five minutes, they wreck the house again. But there's always that new home feeling again every time we get back because that's really where our heart is. And as good as the things are that we go and do, there's no place like home at the end of the day. That's where we're all going to go at some point is back home. That's where we abide. We live there. And as we introduced John's letter in week two here, and as last week we saw that he was very adamant about living out what we teach and being in the Father as the light of the world, that we can speak light, but we're not really, the light is not in us if it doesn't shine. 
so we can talk about the light, but if the light is not flowing through us, he says we're not in the light. And he even says we're not of the Father, which was hard to hear, but necessary if you want to, you know, do the will of God. You got to hear sometimes the things that aren't pleasant to the ears so God can actually speak to you. And so John is continuing this theme about light and darkness and demonstrating what we are claiming because even the people back then, as new as this thing was, they still started drifting back to what he calls the ways of the Antichrist, the things that started out as God's ways and then drifted into worldly thought. And all of a sudden, you got denominations, and you've got things that have split apart. And people say, how did this happen? It's because it drifted from the word. And so this continued theme in chapter 2. And whenever the Bible continues to repeat, I said this last week, I'm going to repeat it again. When, they repeat, when the Bible repeats a theme, Pay extra attention as this signifies emphasis and importance. John will continue this theme from last week in his discussion to reaffirm pastors, teachers, disciples who are part of the newly formed Christian body, or we call it the church. As we saw him clarify last week what it meant to walk as the light, he continues this week that point but keeps us reminded how we do such and avoid the world how we make it right when we slip up. Last week, I felt like he didn't really address what happens if you mess up. It was just like, don't do this. This week, he's like, okay, but you are gonna mess up, so when you do, do this, so you can stay there, so you can stay abiding in him, in Jesus. How we make it right when we slip up. As we are sinless in our walk, we live in God's righteousness, but our flesh can still slip into sin. And so, that is not the righteousness of God, and I won't ever say it is, even though everybody wants to just be warm and fuzzy and say nothing matters. That is not the righteousness of God. So therefore, we are capable of sin, but the key is we get back out of that mess and back into the righteousness of God if we mess up. That's what John's now getting to in chapter two. Y'all getting this? It's how he makes us whole again. So my question to you this morning, this is gonna be good. Will you abide in Jesus in the moment of your test? It's easy to abide until you're tested. Then what will you do? And John is speaking here in the first 11 verses, which we're going to go into, about the contradiction of what people are saying versus what they are doing right then and there in that first century. Let's go to John, let's go to 1 through 11 real quick, the same chapter. It's all chapter 2, so I don't have to keep saying that. Verses 1 through 11, he says, we're going to break this out and show how they build upon each other through this message, section by section, but it's going to be good, so don't check out and go to Facebook. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Remember in the beginning, he says, you are, we read the end from the beginning. He says, you are the anointed ones. Now he's going back, and this is actually what he told them first. My dear children, I write this to you that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning, which makes whole, is what that means. Sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if, everybody say if, this is real talk. We keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not that person. I can't believe John just called me a liar. Pants on fire. Busted. But if anyone obeys his word, the love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. 
How do we know? Because it shows. If it doesn't show, we may not know. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. And this old command is a message you've already heard. See that? He's already telling them again. It's been days. They're already slipping, like DMX. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister, oh, now we're making this practical. You mean I got to apply this teaching to my life? Anybody who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in darkness. You know when you go home and you hate on them because they drive you crazy? Am I the only one? Y'all just go home, talk about every, every, every in, in-law. Anybody have in-laws? They just, they're the best, aren't they? And I know you just bless them all day. But I don't know about you, especially when I first got married. Love you. When I got home, I'm like, uh, uh. But I was playing that guitar up on the, uh, Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Little Israel. Then I go home, man, they drive me crazy. Darkness. Yeah, that was me. So I'm just saying, if it was me, it might be you too, because we're all human, right? So John is reaffirming, don't do that. Fix it. Fix it. Ooh, he's firm. That's what John said. Fix it. I got so fired up on that, I lost my place. Yes, verse 11. If you hate on your brothers and sisters, the Bible also says reconcile your gifts before the, uh, make up with your, your, your family and your friends before you bring gifts to bless the Lord. Reconcile with your brother or sister before you bring your gifts to the altar. There we go. Get my translations mixed up. Too many. There's another verse about if you're hating on everybody and you're gossiping about everybody and you're preaching death and darkness, God says the light isn't in you. Ooh. Well, God, what about a crack? A little bit of light, a little bit of darkness. John says you can't have both. James, Jesus' brother, said you can't have a bitter and a sweet spring at the same time. Like, there's a lot of examples of this. You can't be both at once, so quit trying to claim to be. So it's these contradictions. And what the culture has gotten really good at with the modern church is the warm and fuzzies of abiding. Oh, I just love God. He's so good. He is so good. But did you know abide doesn't mean just bask in his goodness? It means do what he says. Did you know abide? Go look it up. It says, do, I, I, I commit to what this is. That's why I live there. See, y'all didn't know I was going to go there because we thought this was going to be always about being in a happy place. And in the being in a happy place, you have to do. That is what the Bible means when it says abide. You are staying by doing. And so, so the danger I see of, of, of grace preaching, which is good, it is by grace we are saved and we have an opportunity to choose to be faithful, but the danger of stopping at grace is that we live in the warm and fuzzies, but we never change anything. Anybody, anybody witness this? We just put on this really excited thing and we go back to darkness. John says the light is not in that. God is not in that. The devil says, I like that. Keep doing it. I like that. The devil wants to deceive you. Just back then, they, they started telling people, it's all right, go, go back and keep partying like you did. Keep doing the drugs you're doing. Keep doing all the things you're doing. And he says, that's the spirit of the Antichrist. 
That's not God's word. He says, this has been a few minutes since Christ left us and you're already falling off the word. Let me tell you again, says John. So that's why we preach it because we just keep pushing it into the soil, penetrating the soil over and over because we're human and we can forget and we can get a lot of bad data here in the modern world. I don't know if y'all know what Google is, but I always make the joke, it's just full of truth and lies. Depends what you're looking at and if you know how to discern the difference. Remember, 1 John, he opens up about discerning. Discerning, excuse me, John. Chapter, it's 1 John chapter 4, I think. Yeah, anyway. Try the spirits, he says, that you may know, is this God or is it not? We were driving home. What was it? We had a really good Sunday here. God was so good. And every time somebody texts me an awesome testimony, somebody cuts me off in traffic and starts giving me hand gestures. I am so serious. It is like so predictable. Like, oh, so-and-so just had a, had a touch from God. Bam, someone's giving me that finger again. Like, they're doing this, peace signs. Because they're the light with the Joy FM sticker. I didn't say that. And, and then they go home. And, they, and they, they got some Lincoln Brewster. I liked him. I mean, I like him. He's an amazing guitar player. Oh, they got some uh, Crowder. And they just, bless you, my brother. That's so much worse. That's so much worse than the one that don't have the bumper sticker, that don't know about the station. But this particular scenario wasn't that time. That's the time I got into it with somebody at the Toby Mac concert. I won't even talk about that. That was when I was a new preacher. Can I be real with y'all? We're making jokes here, but we're being serious. So I was leaving church. We were driving. We were headed to the park. And uh, I don't know what happened. I changed lanes. And before I know it, I have a full car of male and females. Now the girls do it. I'm not saying you're not, you're, not, you're not good enough to throw up hand gestures too, but I'm just saying it's not like ladylike. And this girl in the back would just go into town on me through her windshield. Through, through the, uh, you know what it was? They, I went in front and then they went around and then they're all in front of me and they're giving me this show of fingers like, like hand puppets. And, and the one leading the show was this young girl. So then I had to say, I'm a pastor, I'm leaving church. I'm a pastor, I'm leaving church. And the good news, church, is I've been through this a few times, so now I'm like, I'm a pastor, I'm leaving church. I'm a pastor, I'm a dad. I have children. But the flesh wants to say, mm, what, what, what's it, what? But, but you can't do that. Because if you do what they do, how will they ever learn the difference? You know, so, so it's, it's, it's justified, as we call it, and as angry as we get, especially when you didn't do nothing, that's what makes you the maddest, right? is when you didn't even do anything, we somehow vindicate pausing, stepping aside, doing, coming back on board the ship for Jesus. I've had, I'll just be real, growing up, that was my biggest issue was in the car. I had a real problem with just um, waving to people. And, and And then I had kids, and then I got a little deeper in my word, and I thought I was a Christian too, until I, until I look back at some of those incidents that I could have died in, I could have got really hurt. A few times I was scared for my own life. Sometimes I was aggressive. Sometimes I was running. I mean, I could go on. I could, I could preach a series for the year about all the incidents I had as a teenager in the car. It's horrible. But so that damage in there, it's still, it's still Mike, you know what I'm saying. It's still, it's still, you still feel it, Ben. 
you still feel it in the moment, and you got to say, no, I'm not that. I'm doing it different. Someone else told me even a more powerful uh, uh, testimony of strength. They said, they said when, when, when the, I'm just going to say, I can't talk about it. Can we talk about corona? Are you all going to leave the church if I mention the C word? In mass, so someone in the grocery a long time ago was, 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 uh, was stalking one of our church members because they didn't like how, I'll just put it like this, they didn't like how they came into the, the grocery store. And I know this person, and I said, wow, you didn't say nothing? How could you let them talk to you like that? That's, like, that's not right. And he says, I just, I just kept loving them and walking away, and they kept following me. Remember that? They kept following me. I said, they followed you in the store? You need to call the popo or do something. I said, my Italian little drop can't handle this. Don't tell me this story. They were following him, and he still stayed, stayed peaceful. And if you talk to this individual, he'll say, I didn't used to be that way. That's why it was so good. That's a changed heart. Y'all getting this? It's easy when you never did it to begin with, but when you take a new way, that is hard. And to stand up in the face of the devil as he tries to pull you back to that darkness and you say, I'm not doing it. You can't make me do it, devil. You lose in the end. Go back to Hades. That means hell. <laughs> I'm sweating. I told them too much. They know I'm human. Oh, I'm human. No, seriously, though. It's real. Me and Michelle, you know what we used to fight the most when we got married? After church. On the way to church. We'd be good all week, and then we'd drive to church for 10 minutes, and bam. Well, I just don't know if this is going to work out. Says the immature us. It was all about jabbing the other. But I said, isn't it funny this happens on the way to church to and from? Is that not, are we not smart enough in God's word to know that this is the enemy trying to hurt us because we had such a good day? He don't want to do nothing if you have a bad day anyway. He don't want to wreck good th- bad things. He, he's already bad. He wants to wreck good things. And um, <laughs> it don't happen anymore. Now, now we're just so used to it. We've seen it so many times. We're like, <laughs> devil. <laughs> As someone's texting us and we're, someone's trying to run us off the freeway, it doesn't really matter. We're just peaceful in it. It's good. It's a contradictory Christian. It's, it's a Christ contradiction. And John is preaching of this, that if you, if you live in the warm and fuzzy, your life has to show it all week, all the time, especially in the test. That's why I say, will you abide in Jesus in that moment of your test? Because without the test, you don't know if it will hold. You got to test your faith John says, what are you doing versus what we are teaching you to do? That's what he said right there. What are you actually doing versus what we are teaching you to do? Don't lie to yourself, says John. That's what we do. I like to avoid it. If I have a conviction, I avoid it. That's lying to myself. John says, don't do that because you're the one getting hurt. You're not hurting nobody else but yourself. And your purpose and your calling, oh, I got a good sermon coming. I'm not going to digress here, but I got such a good sermon about compromising when God calls. Oh, it's so good. And I'm going to tell you a story that's going to make you go, oh, my goodness, that really happened. Yes. Anyway, that's a trailer for in a few weeks. 
John is keeping that reminder at the forefront of everything we do that we must abide in the moment. That is lock arms with the word. That is not just go home to my warm and fuzzy white pillow. I like it at at, at nighttime when we're watching TV. I do like that. But if I'm not locking arms with the word as I'm driving home, I'm going to still find a problem. That's abiding. That's abiding. And so now he's going to go into another portion of this about love of the world and how love of the world will cause you to not be able to abide, and also will cause you to live in contradiction. Let's go there real quick, 15 through 26. He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Let me clarify here to everybody who wants to modernize the text to their modern understanding, instead of understanding the context of what the word actually meant, there's a difference. But we say don't love the world, that means don't do anything fun, don't do anything of the world. That is not what he's saying. To love the world in the scripture means you are putting the world over God. In the things the world says to do over the thing God says to do. That's what he means there. It doesn't mean go, don't go to a water park because your legs show. It doesn't mean don't go to like a movie because, because, because there's, you know, I don't know, like whatever. It doesn't mean like it's not, it's not so restrictive as that. It's saying if it takes the place of this, that's loving the world. And loving the world deludes focus on what abiding is. It makes it kind of a gypsy thing. I'll just kind of float. I'll move around, go wherever I want to go. God says, my house is here. This is how my house is committed. When you're in my house, this is how you live. Does anybody have strict parents growing up? When you're in my house, you live by my rules. We don't like that because it's not warm and fuzzy, but the Bible says if, if you endure um, chastening, that's discipline, God treats you as a child that he loves. That means he loves us. So, so loving the world over the things of God is what he's talking about here. So let's read on. Verse 16, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the, the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. He says, everything I've listed here is not from God. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour. I'm going to get to that. I'll explain that in a minute. As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For, so this is good. They went out from us, but they never really belonged to us. Remember the whole darkness and light thing? It shows. He's saying, I've seen some people leave here but nothing changed. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. That's abide. But their going, going showed that none of them belonged to us. It showed. It shows who you belong to. That's why we profess our faith in Christ through baptism. It shows who we belong to, whose teachings we follow. It shows publicly. But you have an anointing, verse 20, from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is a liar then? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ, and such a person is the Antichrist. We talked about this in chapter 1, too, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that 
What you have heard from the beginning remains in you. Abide. If it does, you also will abide, remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life for it. Atonement, make whole. Remember that? I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. I'm preaching this about those trying to lead y'all astray. That, that hits a little different, doesn't it? Because when we leave here, the enemy's trying to lead us astray, right into road rage, right into traffic, right into cursing someone, whatever it is, he's trying to lead you back to darkness. And so John is saying, I'm telling you this because you actually know the truth. You ever met like someone you knew from church that we knew the truth. We know the truth. We still got the truth. That's what that means is because they witnessed the truth being watered down to nothing. And now darkness is called light. And some people just don't even know the difference. Anything goes. So he's saying, I'm telling you so that you don't forget. Because if you forget, we're in trouble. You got to go keep teaching them who don't have as much word in them so you can keep growing them like we're growing you. Remember, remember a few weeks ago, we're going to keep witnessing until they become like us because we became like Christ and so they could become like Christ. Like that's why we got to keep it moving. That's why there's no weeks off. I remember when we started the church, can't you just close down, you know, a couple times? No, you can't. When you commit to this, it never ends till death do us part. Whew, yeah, and that'll mess with your head. That's why you get a good team so you can take a break once in a while. But it never stops because it can't stop because as soon as it stops, the enemy comes in like a wolf. We saw that happen when we were shut down a couple years ago. People came back to church. They forgot how to worship. They forgot, like, they forgot, like, church. It was weird. The enemy loved that. They were silent introverts. It was like everybody had to be retrained because everybody had been stuck in their houses so long. It was the most crazy thing to watch, but it was so true. That's what breaks do. That's why, that's why we went 22 weeks in the basement, because we didn't want to get out of rhythm. We didn't even pre-record except Easter, because we didn't want to lose Sunday rhythm. I said, I can't stop this for 20 weeks. We've been doing this three years at that time or something like that. I said, if we stop 20 weeks, that could hurt us. I, I don't want to stop to see what it feels like to start again. So we're going to do it every week. And so I'm talking about uh, Corona season when we had to go uh, live stream only for 22 weeks in my basement. And we did that live because we didn't want to stop the rhythm. Everything we see shall pass. But God's love is eternal. Look at 15 again, just 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. When we engage in that, we delude the focus of the truth. To love the world is to do the things of the world over the things that God has said don't do, or vice versa. If it conflicts, this is how I do it. If it conflicts with what Christ said, I know it's not of God. Now, there's some things that God don't address every single thing because he gives us some, you know, some, some wisdom to know, to try the spirits. But enough is written that we know. And if we, we see it in the text as conflicting to what the world says, we know that is not of God. And we can still choose to do it. But just remember what John said. It's a choice between darkness and light. Will you abide in Jesus in the moment of your test. It's hard. 
How do we do that? Let's go back to the last three verses of the, of the whole text. Let's go back to where we started. Remember he said in 27, as for you, the anointing you received, that's the baptism of the Spirit. This ain't no olive oil on my head. That represents God's anointing. That's good too, by the way. Olive oil triscuits, so good. You just, it's, like, it's like poor man's bread and oil from the restaurant. You go home and throw yourself some triscuits and some olive oil, a little pepper on that thing, it's good. Don't eat too much. It'll make you fat. It's a lot of calories. But it's good fat, so that's good too. Oh, y'all look at me crazy. Can we say F-A-T in here? Everybody's too good to say F-A-T? <laughs> we say fat proudly. Anyway, I'm really good at digressing. I'm like, I'm like the cat with the, the tin ball, you know? As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you this because you already know. From the beginning, you had this word, he said. But as his, teaching, as his anointing teaches you about all things and as the anointing is real, not fake, counterfeit, phony, just as it has taught you, Remain in that. Remain in him. Abide in that. Commit to that and stay locked with that. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. This is the moment we recognize who he is. We recognize who he is. Now, isn't that last three verses more impactful? Now that we started there, went back, gave some context into it, and read it again, it feels different. Because we understand that they weren't doing those things. The, I mean, the few of them were, but he, they, were, they were being reaffirmed to, to go save the rest because the rest were falling quickly. We have to recognize who he is. He is. What is he? Yes, he is. That's the funny, funny thing about I am. There's nothing after. Recognizing who he is is just knowing he is. Yes, that too, everything, all-encompassing, beginning and end, omnipotent, omnipresent. Everything God is, yes, recognize that. Lock arms with that. Abide in that. John is saying, don't deny he was the Messiah because that's what they were trying to do. The people were saying he was not the Messiah and what he did on the cross meant nothing, that he was not sent from God. You know, the book of Matthew is to the Jews. Just give you a Bible lesson here. The Jews were expecting the Messiah. And I, I love Jewish people because they're God's people from the text. And, 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 and I grew up in Chesterfield and all my friends were Jewish. But the one difference is at that time, they said he is not the Messiah. I'm talking back then. Anybody today knows that Jesus was the Messiah. You don't, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to know today that he was the one that actually came. And yes, just say it. Isaiah said it. We know he was Let's not skip passages. Some are taught to skip those verses now because there's no denying that Christ indeed was the Messiah. But at that time, they said he is not him. He has not come yet because they expected a lion when he showed up in the form of a lamb. But that's why you hear about the lion and the lamb because in order to conquer, you had to be a vulnerable lamb on the cross. And they didn't understand that. 
And that's what's so powerful about this. And so those at that time, I'm trying to give you context here, not call out a, 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 I don't want to like get unpolitically correct here. I was trying to call out at that time, they were the ones saying crucify him because they said that is not him. What he did was not of the Christ and many of them actually became Christians. Where do you think the book of Acts came from? There was no Christians. They weren't from, you know, they were from a little bit of everywhere, but they were in Jerusalem. Those were Jews converted to proselytes, to Christians. That was the beginning of the faith because their heart changed and they left that antichrist spirit. So that's really cool. And that's, that's all the separation is between darkness and light. Those in and those out is saying he really is. And if he really is, I lock arms with that. And I commit to that. And I have to abide in that. Because if I don't lock arms with that, I am not abiding in him. I'm just aware of it. It's just a book on my shelf. It's a huge difference. That's why we have to recognize who he is. He is to lead and guide us in all truth by his spirit, which is God in action. I abide in him and he will abide in me. I need the Holy Ghost for that to be. God equips us. Let's stand. I'm going to give you this last thought. God equips us to operate outside the realm of his supervision by the strength of him in us. That's why he says, when the king comes back, when the master comes back, what will you be doing? Because God doesn't want somebody who has to hold their hand. He wants to know that if I be in you, you will do the right thing. So when I do show up, you will be doing it. And yes, good and faithful servant. That's what John says here too. He, 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 he affirms that right here, that we will do it. And so when Jesus comes back for his people, we want to say, we were doing like you said. I know they didn't hear it. I know they didn't all get it, but God, I was doing what you said. I was trying my best to stay in your word and abide, and I can't carry the weight of their sin, but you can. Remember when Jesus weeped in the garden, it's because he felt the weight of the sin he was, he was making whole again. He took it on. So he took your sin and he felt it on the cross. He felt it in the garden and almost backed out of the deal. But just like the compromising of the calling, he says, I'm not gonna compromise what God called me to do, so I'm going to the cross. And that's what he did. And he chose to go anyway. He chose to do it. He chose to do it. Look to your neighbor and say, what will you choose? It's a choice. It's a choice. Recognize who he is. I will stay and I will do according to his word. I will abide. I will stay and I will do. I will abide. One more time. I will stay, everybody. I will stay and I will do what he says and I will abide I'm going to abide let's bow our heads and pray Heavenly Father we're thankful for your word we're thankful for real talk we're thankful for getting down to the soil and changing some things we're thankful for new faces we're thankful for old faces we're thankful that things are growing according to your kingdom we're seeing people come in hungry for something and they see the food is in the room they want to be fed, God. Let us take this meal to the world. Let them know that this is if the bread comes, the real entree hasn't even showed up yet. So that's going to be real good. And we know it because we've been taught this. And we know the truth. Just like John says, we know this because we've been through it and we witnessed it. So we need to reaffirm it over and over that what we're doing is your will. And that we're not going to compromise. We're not going to sell out on the mountain to the devil to be kings over the world. We want to be princes in the heavenly heavenly kingdom. We're not going to sell out to that. We're not going to compromise that. We're not going to change nothing except keep 
the truth. It's all that matters. And we're thankful that we have the boldness by the power of your spirit to speak that truly, God. Afraid, Not afraid of what people think, not afraid of what people might do, but knowing that that's the word we stand on. And that's concrete, baby. We're not going to sink like quicksand as long as we keep the truth at our feet. We give you thanks now. We worship you with all our praise. We give you all the glory. And if the house of God can say in Jesus' name, amen.